I think everyone needs a coach. I mean, mentorship and guidance have been incredibly crucial in our development as a company. So I thought I'd introduce you to some amazing coaches as part of this special series of Meet My Business. So on today's episode of Meet My Business, the special coaching edition, I have the great pleasure to introduce you to Stephen Devey. He's the founder of Dare to Be Coaching and Beyond. He's a leadership coach and he's also part of Explore ProTech, which is an incredible community that I'm also a part of. And in today's episode, I just wanted to introduce you to Stephen and also talk a little bit about um, some of the stuff that he's passionate about, specifically around leadership. Um, but before we get into that, Stephen, thank you so much for joining. Could you just introduce yourself and kind of what you do, the way you would describe it? Yeah, so first of all, Ethan, thanks for uh, having me on your on your show. I really appreciate it because it's just a topic I'm absolutely passionate about, and I think it's very relevant and significant, not just in the world today, uh, but especially in the world today. So yeah, so my practice is dare to be coaching and beyond. People often ask me if I'm a business coach, and I often tell them, no, I coach in business. So I, can't, I don't come and coach your business because I don't know your business, but just from experience. So my experience spans over a period of 38 years, uh, 10 of them in the 80s in the construction industry, 26 of them in the textile industry, and then also learned a lot from the sports fields about uh, leadership teamwork and how as individuals we can push ourselves beyond the, the limits that we think we're able to achieve. The reason I chose leadership as the conduit to coaching business is because I'm of the firm belief that every every single one of us has something unique to offer the world. But we haven't been really taught to unpack that. And my own journey taught me that because um, I only really got to the depth of discovering who I was at the age of 54. And I wish I had uh, done that earlier, but anyway, it, it didn't happen, but it's extremely liberating when it did happen. So yeah, so I work with people in business, uh, especially leaders, to do exactly that. How are leaders, first of all, themselves? Do they understand themselves and leading from who they are? And how are they supporting their people that they are leading to perform at their best on a daily basis? I'm always curious to see how people got into coaching initially, because it, from what everyone has spoken to, it's always kind of, they always started in one completely different field and then found themselves into coaching after, you know, life experiences or experiences in business. And sometimes when people look from the outside in, it looks like it's a radical shift. But when you actually speak to the people, you realize it is actually quite a natural progression from, you know, the day-to-day -day work that they were doing and where they were seeing themselves in their career. So I'd like to figure out from you how you move from a corporate, you know, text, uh, you said in the construction space, textile space, and then to your own business. How did that kind of journey happen? Yeah, well, the corporate, the corporate space was because I really, and I, I, I didn't lean towards academics at school. It was very much in the sports fields. Sometimes I think if it wasn't for sport, I wouldn't have been at school, but I learned a lot from that. And then went into the construction industry because I discovered I actually wanted to go into teaching, and I didn't needed to do another subject on the higher grade. To when I applied at teachers' training college, and I thought, no, I've just been through twelve years of school. I'm not going to do this, rightly or wrongly, at the time the decision. And then 
I went into construction, probably influenced by my late dad, who was a, an architect. And more importantly, because when I approached Murray and Roberts in Port Elizabeth, they offered that bursary where they pay for you, but you had to work your time out with them. And you did six months at uh, Technicon and six months on site. And so I got my construction supervising diploma through them and then spent the best part. So that was in 1980, uh, qualified in 84, and then spent the rest of the time with them, uh, best part of the 80s. I think I got into the clothing industry by default. Uh, we haven't got enough time to go through that now, but anyway, take it as it is because I'm probably the furthest thing from fashion that you'll ever find. My daughter keeps reminding me that about that. She often questions how me and the clothing and fashion industry ever got together. She said, only the guy upstairs knows. But that's, I must tell you that in, in both cases, in both industries, is it wasn't the industry itself, and certainly not the, the fashion industry that got me out of bed in the morning. It was the people in the industry that fascinated me. So in the construction industry, just quickly to tell you, was it, I was in the building side, not civils. It was wonderful to see from a plan on a piece of paper to take the plan and then develop it into a finished product. But for me, it was how did we get the teams who were building, doing that building to operate at their optimum in order to meet deadlines, finish under budget, and that's what excited me. In the fashion industry, to this day, I'm still indebted to the ladies that worked in, in my business because they love fashion. And I learned very quickly there that my role as the owner of the business or leader, if you want to call it, in the business was to support them, How, obviously to, to make sure my, my responsibility, my ultimate responsibility is to make sure that the business was financially sound and that it was ran well and that we delivered to the service levels that we wanted to. But my role in the, as a team member in that business was to support my ladies to do their best every day that they were good at every day. And so I learned and uncovered a lot about leadership through my own journey and my own experience. And it's where I came up really with the, the definition of, because if you go on the definition of leadership, because if you go on to, you can go on to Google and ask the definition of leadership, your challenge would be to find which definition that you relate with. None of them are wrong. They're all, they're all right, but people have different definitions of leadership. They have, there is a core element, that probably a thread that runs through all the definitions to inspire their people and so on, and there's different leadership styles and, and so on. But I, do, I just learned through my journey that leadership is a responsibility to the people they lead, not for them. And in terms of why did I go into coaching, it actually did. I should have done it long ago and that was highlighted to me by my ladies that worked for me in my business in the fashion industry because when I when I started to co do coaching and study coaching in our first year we had to log a certain amount of hours obviously and we weren't allowed to charge for them so I thought what better place to start than with or to try this with my ladies in the in with my staff and my my team and the first session that we had, one of the ladies said, and she said, Stephen, you know what? You haven't started coaching us now. Uh, you started coaching us 
from the day we walked into this business. You, we've been coaching us from, since the day we walked into this business. So I think it was something that was really, it was in me. I just didn't recognize it before. It was something I did naturally. So then um, let's talk a little bit more about the coaching qualification that you did. Something that fascinates me with many of the coaches that I've spoken to is that there seems to be a huge amount of very various coaching qualifications, methodologies, modalities out there, some kind of wildly different than others, some that maybe are a little bit less reputable, some that are like highly, highly regarded. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but as you know, yeah. coaches come in all different kinds of levels. And tell me a little bit about your specific uh, qualification that you did and, and kind of in retrospect, what you think of it now. Yeah, so the qualification that I did, I studied through an academy that was um, actually recognized that it was part of Comenso, which is the Coaching and Mentors of South Africa, and also a CETA accredited. So they were a certified training academy, and I'd, it was a two-year course that I had to do. So the first year was a certificate year, the second year was a diploma year, and if I look back on it, it certainly laid the foundation for getting an understanding of coaching itself, the ethics of coaching, um, coaching modalities that one can use. It gave you a, a kind of an arsenal of tools uh, to use in coaching. And yeah, I think just very much about understanding of the difference between coaching and consulting and therapy and psychologists, and so of which there's a place for it, for all. And I think it's for me it was important just to understand how am I entering the coaching space, and do I have a clear understanding of what that coaching space looks like? So yes, those two years gave me a a good insight as to what that coaching space looks like. And I now I understand I show up because of my experience in my own business, which I'm happy to say was a, was a successful one through supporting and developing our people. I'm very clear that I understand I show up as a coach slash mentor. And I know when I'm in the coaching space and I know when I'm in the mentoring space. And more importantly, is that my clients know when that I, I I tell them. So, so yeah, it was very necessary. But I think my co my coaching itself and where I coach comes through my own journey that I I experienced. Now that we've kind of understand a little bit more about where you've come from and you know, kind of your thinking around coaching in general, I think this is a good point where we can to break off into kind of the main discussion of the episode, which is specifically around leadership and more specifically leadership versus management. Because I think this is something that a lot of people confuse. And the as you said right, earlier, if you Google the definition of a leader, you get all kinds of different answers. Yeah. So I think, so my question to you is, what is the difference between a leader and a manager? Well, I think that the difference, simply put, is a leader asks and a manager tells. That's my simple thing. We can expand on that. Um, so a manager will actually make sure that everybody is operating according to the systems, according to policies and procedures that have been put out, and that they're doing things productively and the right way, according to whatever policies are in the company. Whereas a leader 
okay, will actually support people and kind of guide them towards a, a defined vision or purpose, which I'd, I'd like to touch on because often often your vision and purpose and values of the business are, are referred to as kind of fluffy, the fluffy stuff. But that's what the leader is there for. He or she is really there to, to guide the people that they are leading in the business to towards a common or shared goal to ensure that that, that business, which is the vehicle they have all chosen in order to achieve something in their personal lives. I'm sure they all have, they have something. We all have something, a lifestyle that we want to lead, live. And we go into a company or our own businesses, which will be the vehicle that's going to provide that lifestyle. So, you know, I think it's important for, for leaders to understand and ensure that people understand that, that, it, that it's our, all of our responsibility to make sure that this vehicle runs at its optimum, because if it does, we will benefit from it. I need to voice this and probably could get shot down about it, but I, I really believe it. I wish they would scratch, scrap the word manager from the business dictionary. I think today we need, we've got an abundance of managers. We have a scarcity of leaders, but I don't think business needs managers. They need leaders. We need to manage ourselves in our personal and professional lives. And hence, my definition of leadership is a responsibility to people that lead, not for them, which might explain also your question that you asked is, as a leader, I'm responsible for the reasons I gave. I'm responsible to you to make sure that that systems are in place, as well as uh, moral support, to ensure that you are able to perform at your best. But you need to be responsible for yourself. As soon as I start becoming responsible for you, there's one of two things that we need, questions we need to ask ourselves. The first one is, if I'm just being responsible for you, am I micromanaging you? And then I need to seriously look at why I'm micromanaging you, because I hired you, and I trust that you're going to take on the responsibility for the job that you signed up for. And I say this with utmost respect, because I did it. Unconsciously, we do micromanage people, especially uh, business owners or people that have started their own business because we we a bit what we concerned. You know, will they do it as well as I do? Because now it gets to a stage where I've got to let go. So as I say that, I say with utmost respect, we might be doing it unconsciously. The other question that I need to ask if I'm not micromanaging you, then I need to we need to have those tough conversations is are you taking responsibility for the role that you signed up for? And if you're not, we need to talk about it, see if you can improve it, because it might also be something that you're doing unconsciously. But if you don't want to, then it's up to me to make sure that, you know, if you don't fit in here and you're not going to do what you start, take responsibility for what you signed up for, then I need to get you off the bus quickly. As you mentioned earlier as well, a leader's job is to ensure that there's like a common vision with everybody that's working with them as well, right? Yeah. And I think that's, where the people who kind of view themselves as just quote-unquote managers, perhaps that's something that an uh, uh, area that they seriously are lacking is that, you know, explaining the vision, having everybody know where we were going to, what's the common goal here. Yeah, 100%, uh, Ethan, because, you know, if we don't know where we're going, how are we going to get there? And if I'm the only one that knows where I'm going, how am I going to get people 
mentally prepared to put their best foot forward to get there. And they might actually also have some input if they understand where we're going. So your vision and values, when people say they're fluffy, they're 100% right. They are. If you're only going to just put them on the wall as a checkbox checkbox exercise, if you're going to live them, then it's a different story. They become extremely powerful. And we're all working towards a, a shared goal, and we're heading in the same direction to the same destination. And it's important because, as I said earlier, we, we all come in. We have you and me and whoever's in our, our business, we have different aspirations in our terms of our personal lives. So you come in with a huge dog diversity of different purposes, different goals personally. So what is it that's going to unite us and bring us together to ensure that this vehicle runs at its optimum? It's this vision. It's why the business exists. And it's leadership's responsibility to share that with the people that they're leading. If we decided to climb Mount Everest, we don't just go and climb it. Generally, the expeditions have leaders or people who have climbed it, and they they can communicate with people. You know, understand what the summit looks like, what the journey looks like, and then they lead the expedition. But everybody understands the challenges of the journey. They understand what the journey looks like. They know where they're going. Okay, and they kind of know how they're going to get there. And then they've got to test it. And then they all got to trust, they've got to trust the leader, number one, and they've got to trust each other. But it's kind of the same thing, you know. We're going to say we, we're heading up this mountain, but we're not going to tell you where we're going. Uh, climbing like a mountain like Everest, I'd be a bit hesitant to take on that challenge if I didn't have that information. I think another thing that tends to happen, especially in larger companies, um, is this whole concept of the corporate ladder, climbing the corporate ladder. Where someone starts as, uh, let's say, for example, they're a specialist in one very specific thing. They get hired to do that thing. Me, for example, I'm an audio producer. I get hired to do sound engineering. I get hired to edit audio. Then, societally, it's created this idea that the next step is to become a manager. Step into management. And actually, what I've noticed is that this tends to just make people less happy in the long term. because the people who are like these hyper-specialists in their fields and who have been hired to do this one very specific thing, all of a sudden no longer are doing that thing at all. They get taken out of that role and put into this leadership management position um, where the role is completely different. Ultimately, um, you know, they have, perhaps they've got the vision, they understand what's supposed to be happening, but they yeah. don't actually do the thing that they love anymore. And instead, a lot of the time, they turn into micromanagers. And I feel like there's this paradigm, and especially in corporate, where that's the only way. There's no other room for growth. If you're not going to step into management, you kind of hit the ceiling. And I feel like this does a disservice to kind of both sides. The people who actually have leadership qualities are not being pushed up necessarily. Um, and the people who maybe don't actually want to be a leader, actually just want to do this one very specific thing, feel like they have to become a leader if they want to get more money in the lot. How do you kind of you know, deal with this? How does how do companies actually like improve the situation? Yeah, wow, that's that is so profound that 
uh, what you have just brought to the fore is so insightful and it and also kudos to you for for recognizing that because i think it is a big problem i think we all have the ability to lead i don't think we all have the desire to lead others and and it's okay the one question funny i think that really gets asked is when people are promoted and generally generally i'm saying it's your top performers because then it's a form of promotion, as you correctly stated. There's a question that they don't get asked is, we get when we promote you, there's, of course, there's a wonderful, because you get a pay grade uh, increase with it and so on and so forth, is do you want to lead? So you're 100% right. It's taken me several years or more to become specialist at what I'm doing. And then I get promoted into a leadership position, and I'm expected to lead from under. No training. Leadership is a skill that can be taught. So I get no training, nothing, and now I've got to lead these people. And if I don't understand the role and responsibility and the skills of leadership, then where am I going to default to? I'm going to default to what I know best. So I'm going to micromanage the people because I'm now going to, that's the only thing I can offer them is my knowledge and my experience in doing what, what I was doing and showing them how to do that better. That's it. But then how, how do companies actually develop leaders? You say it's a skill that can be trained. So is it as simple as just getting coaches on board or trainers on board? How, how, does, how do we fix this? I don't... No, but needs fixing. It probably just needs tweaking. And there are probably certain things that need to happen. Have a discussion with people and say, do you want to lead? And also, if they say yes, also if they do understand what is the role of leadership in our company and what not only the roles and responsibilities, but what are the expectations from us in your when you step into the leadership role and have in-depth discussion about that. And leadership, as I said, is very much about, it's very much about leading people. Because if it wasn't, then I suppose it wouldn't be called leadership. If you haven't got, you know, there's that old saying, you know, if you're leading, but you've got no followers, then I suppose you're just going for a walk. <laughs> so it's, it's important that these discussions are had within organizations. So of course your competency in your in the industry that you're in and your competency levels, of course they count. And you need to marry the two. It can't you can't just have competency. You need to have there's competency, there's character traits that um, your own character traits. And how do you put the two together? That's when you already hit the sweet spot. So one common thread that I think runs through leadership, whatever style of leadership, is self-awareness and understand who you are and where do you naturally lead from? Because we all have unique talents that we are naturally good at in, in just in how we think and behave and so on. So we don't want to discount that. It's actually a gift that we've been given from birth and award a very young age. So we, we actually want to leverage what we're naturally good at 
and then we can show up. You know, they say you must be an authentic leader. And you can only then lead from the inside, lead from who you are. But you first need to understand who you are. And we don't all understand it because we're not taught that. And we don't understand it on a deep enough level because we do some things naturally, so we're just doing them unconsciously. I don't think it's a it's a just one blue set of a blueprint that you can can have. Companies have different expectations of their leaders aligned to their values in their company, which govern their behavior, and it and it's really the the core of the culture of the company, how we how we behave within the company. That's where the power of values come in. So what are our expectations of leadership aligned to the vision and value of the company? And then how do you as a leader show up in terms of supporting the people you're leading to get to where we want to go? And these discussions need to be had. And we can identify areas where we can teach people how to, people can learn how to communicate with others in a way that actually supports the entire, the whole. There's certain skills that we, we need to understand. Uh, as I said, there's communication, there's, there's delegation and trust. Okay? How do we hold people accountable for what they're doing? And how do we install this, a culture of commitment to what they're doing? So those are, those are things that can, can be learned within in leadership itself and then how do you deal with change and because especially in today's world we have to be adaptable when we have earmarked someone for promotion we need to spend more time with them in terms of making sure that they understand what they are stepping into and what is the ultimate responsibility besides being responsible to the people what is the ultimate responsibility that I'm taking on as a leader. Because ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure that the team operate at their best, to achieve those targets. So if we don't hit targets, and shareholders come and say, listen, why haven't you hit these uh, targets? I can't turn around and say, oh, yeah, but you know what? Ethan wasn't really performing well. They say, we, see, we don't know who Ethan is, and we actually don't really care. You're responsible for this. Tell me, what did you do? Why is Ethan still on the team? What did you? What have you done to ensure that Ethan does perform well? Because if you haven't done anything, then maybe we're going to hold you responsible. Stephen, thank you so much. This has been an incredible discussion. I honestly wish we had like two more hours for this because I feel like there's so much more we can have back in the leadership front. And in fact, I think I should definitely have you back on for another session at some point to, uh, to dive even deeper. That being said, if somebody would like to work with you or perhaps just get in touch, how do they do so? Well, they can get in touch with me on my website. They can get in touch with me on my email. So the address is Steve, S-T-E-V-E, at D-A-R-E, numerical number two, B-E, dot C-O dot Z-A. My website is just is daretobe.co.za. And I'll pop all of these links in the description of this episode. So if you're listening at home, uh, you'd like to get a hold of Stephen Levy, definitely get in touch. Even if you just want to, as another coach, perhaps you just want to pop in and ask for some advice. Stephen, thanks again so much for this. I seriously appreciate it. If you've been thinking about starting a podcast, but don't really know where to start, go to our website, 
Baird.media. That's B-A-I-R-D.media. You can find the book, Become a Podmaster, everything you need to know to master the art of podcasting. And you can also sign up to one of our mentorship programs where we help you figure out, develop, and produce your show from start to finish.